this is like a big deal already. I can tell um, this whole like podcast thing um, because let me tell you why. The reason I know that something is a big deal is that I am now having nightmares about it. I've actually, to be honest, the postman, whenever he does visit, he's worked out that our doorbell goes for about 35 seconds or something. And it sounds like an old Soviet folk song. So whenever he comes, he presses it. He never knocks the door. He presses it. I open the door and he's dancing like he's bobbing up and down, holding the package every time. Wait, wait, why does your doorbell do? Is this something you've 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 uh, implemented yourself or this is just something that you got for free? We're talking about a really cheap run-of-the-mill doorbell that I think we got from Aldi and Natasha went through every single option. I think there's like 20 to 30 options. So we sat there listening to every single one and she chose the longest and most comical one, which the family has now cottoned on to. So when they pop around, they tap it and then guess what they do? They tap it again. Tap it again. Yeah. Double tap. They call that the double tap in Australia. I'm, I'm, I'm in a weird spot with my doorbell now that we're doing uh, doorbell hour. Um, we got one of those, you know, home home kitty uh, fancy ones with the, the camera and all that stuff. Because, uh, you know, why why wouldn't you? Um, but and I don't know if this is just like a weird COVID thing or something, but we put it in and we obviously moved during COVID. So that's possible. Nobody wants to touch anything, but like no one will ever press it. And I and I'm. And I'm not sure if it's because it kind of, I mean, they're pretty, at least in the United States, like these like doorbell camera thingies are like, like they're not weird. They're not new by any stretch. Like everyone knows what they are, but no one wants to press the button. They'll like kind of knock or like if it's a package, they'll just kind of like throw it on the door and leave. Um, But yeah, no one wants to press the thing. So I'm not really sure what that's about. If it is a germ thing, I mean, for years pre-COVID, I've looked like a total fool walking up to the button at pedestrian crossings at traffic lights and using my elbow or my knee. I, I will actually do like a oh, huge yeah. knee-high kick and tap it. Yeah, yeah, and for like, sure. For years, people looked at me like I was odd, and now it all makes sense. I've been preparing for this, and I never knew it. Do you guys have the little, the little tiny button ones, or like the bigger, like you could hit it with the broadside of a tree, and you'd be like, it'd be fine. It's the big ones, and it's okay. that kind of very unsatisfying button where you don't think it's actually done anything. It's just kind of like dig, dig, dig. Yeah, it, there's no, there's no like detent on it. It's just like a kind of is it broken? Is it? Yeah. yeah. And everybody has to smash it a few times, and then every person that walks up subsequent won't trust that the person's already pushed it, and so they got to do it too. Yeah. Oh, there'll be like thirteen people standing at the corner, and the like fourteenth person comes up, and they're like. I'm sure none of you touched it, so I'm going to do it. And like you've been there so long already that when they do it, it like almost immediately changes and you're like, ah, they feel so satisfied now. I just want to segue from this for a second. I have a an official and very brief retraction to make. Yeah, you might recall on an episode of this very show that I said that I thought that I would be bothered by not seeing a second hand in an always on display mode on the Apple Watch. I do remember that. I was incorrect, which means I caved. Wow. Yes. I love it. I decided. You love it? Yes. It was the weekend and I thought, I got to do this. I can't resist. Yeah, that's. <laughs> what did you Jess get? Fist pumping there. Well, that, this is the thing. And I was reminded by what you said, Andrew, about Apple store shopping experiences. <laughs> 
so maybe this is not the best time to bring it up. Yours, yours were more negative. Um, we went to South Sydney and I said, I just have to go and do it. Had the whole COVID style Apple store experience and had to get uh, a stainless steel Apple watch. I needed a shiny one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So now I sound like, oh, Martin, didn't you say you were cheap? And well, maybe with microphones, I don't know, watches are different. But uh, for a couple of years now, I've had this, uh, you know, the link bracelet ones. Natasha got me that one a couple yeah, of years ago. And it's best. always, yeah, that the slight difference in tone always bothered me. So I caved and I just wanted to say, I retract what I said. The second hand isn't a big deal. Wow. I, I, I flicked my wrist and it's there. Who really cares? So Andrew, always on the club. Series six life, my friend. Well, congratulations on your on your series sixness. Yeah, uh, thank you for congratulating my materialism. I feel better now. So you bought an Apple Watch this week, and you bought uh, Apple One. That's everyone correct. did. I'm I an think. Apple One guy. Yeah, I think every, you you did as well, Andrew. No, no, I I did the economic analysis and decided this is not yet for me. Oh my gosh! Wow, I'm a uh, you know, I'm a financial rationalist at heart. And I looked at, did the math and it didn't stack up. It was going to cost me a little bit more than what I'm paying now. So I said, well, Apple, you can just wait. Um, I will get it. I will get it eventually, but not yet. So when, when Ted Lasso 2.0 comes out, that's when you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, well, see, they, they've extended my Apple TV plus free period till February. Uh, so I'm not paying for that anyway. So why would I voluntarily opt to pay for it now in a bundle um i'm gonna get three months of apple fitness for free because i bought their series six watch so i don't want to pay for that yet get my get my three months trial on that i have no interest in apple news because in australia it's just a voice box for the murdoch rupert murdoch empire and i have no interest in reading their newspapers and what else is left we've got well, I'm paying for storage and I'm paying for music and don't really have a great interest in the arcade. So until I run out of free trials and the, the economic um, mathematics changes, I'm going to stick with what I've got. I'm surprised your kids don't use arcade. Or is that a, a conscious choice that they just don't know it exists yet? I think it's more they don't know it exists. Oh, okay. um, my youngest is probably a little bit too young. He's like just not quite five yet. Um, my older boy, who's nine and a half, is all about Roblox, and so Apple Arcade just doesn't doesn't do it. It's like you you don't. It's not multiplayer. You don't play together. It's just it doesn't ever get mentioned in the uh, the playground circles. Gotcha. Because that seems like that would, if especially with multiple kids, like a five dollar a month thing to have like a bunch of games. That sounds like a gold mine but if it's not the right stuff yeah it doesn't make sense but that's a really good point about sorry to butt in there that's a really good point about with with arcade and whether kids are really into it because i don't know that it's something that i hear people in tech circles talking about all the time because like we're speaking about right now it's part of apple one but how many kids are actually going in and speaking about arcade games you know Fortnite and other things that's all interconnected by this online community or this feeling of competition it's essentially social networking through a game but are there any games on arcade that are like that i don't think so apple one i will get it but not yet but you guys both have right yes yeah it saved me two cents a month which i mean obviously that was the reason to do it um but it was it was just it was 
unlike your situation, when I added up, I was already paying $30 a month anyway. So now I'm paying $30 a month. I only get billed once, which I mean, who cares? But I don't know, you know, it's one less thingy to pop up on the list. And I get News Plus for free. It, you know, you say it's not really free, but it's now part of what I was paying already. Um, which I had Apple or I had Apple News Plus back when it first came out, nine ninety nine a month. Definitely not the right number for me. I, you know, I did not care ten dollars worth at all. Um, but having just having it kind of happen now is is fine. I did try this the audio thing where it does the audio articles. I'm I have mixed feelings on it. I I like it. I think it's a pretty cool feature. I'm already so backlogged with with um, other stuff though that it's just like it's almost become like oh another you know bucket of stuff that I'm not listening to. Cool. Uh, maybe that's not great, but it's a cool idea. I think it's it's interesting. The magazine thing. I mean. I'm not a, I've never been a magazine person except like back when you know back in the 90s when you get like computer shopper and it was like that 4000 page bible of like every computer part in the world and you just look through it for hours well I say I did I think most people probably did it but um uh, I was a loyal subscriber to Omega format for many years pick it up from the news agent every month I love that thing do you have boxes full of them? I did for many years. I do not anymore. Okay. And I still miss them. <laughs> I dearly wish I had like just one copy of it from like 1996 or something just to have. But I'm sure I can find it online somewhere. I, I may have kept the one where my letter to the um, the help support team got published. Ooh, wow. What did you ask? Oh, goodness me. It was something about building a an alternative workbench boot disk or something like that. And I was trying to script it or something and I couldn't quite work out how to do it. And the only way you could get help was to write a, a letter, not an email, a letter to England where the magazine was published and then just, and then wait six months and hope that you got published. <laughs> I think it, I think I'd solved the problem by the time I got my magazine printed, but it was very, very exciting to see my name in print as a kid. Yes. Yeah. As far as Apple One goes, uh, I am not a financial rationalist in that sense. I, I I did think about whether I was saving something, maybe for a slight moment. Then I went, "It's easier. I like the one amount they got me there." Because uh, I, I intend certainly to keep Apple TV Plus as it stands. I like the focused nature of the service. The entire disadvantage, as it was pitched originally, as oh, Apple doesn't have a back catalogue. Oh, how lame is this? Uh, no, they're starting from scratch and it's actually digestible what they have on there, whether you like it or not. So, you know, that's won me over, at least for the moment. News Plus, I certainly have mixed feelings on, I think, like you, Jason. Um, I think there's that element of focus. If you do subscribe to certain channels or magazines that maybe you don't get in Twitter feeds or if you're still on Facebook and you're just being bombarded by information, the thing that I do like about News Plus is when certain publications, and just to be clear, like you said, Andrew, not Murdoch Media, none of that is appearing in my app, um, not subscribing to that. I like the Apple News format when it's wholeheartedly adopted by a publication and they don't just upload the PDF 
style magazine, but they have that nice flowing menu of different articles. And you go in there and you look at something like the Vox Highlight or Time Magazine or something, and you've got this nice little stack in this edition of 10 different articles, all nicely linked by their bold headings. Super nice to scroll through on the iPad. So I don't know if I'll use it as much as things like RSS or just visiting websites, but it does feel nice when it's packaged that way, like it's worth paying for something like the digital equivalent of a finely printed page. As far as Fitness Plus goes, I'm not sure about what that's going to be like either. I have a feeling like every coach is going to be really obnoxious. I don't know what you two think, but when I saw that fitness video promo on the keynote, I thought I really don't need someone enthusiastically yelling at me through a TV while I'm struggling and sweating on the floor. You can do it. Yeah. I don't know if I can cope with that. <laughs> I, I like what you said about Apple TV too. I, the the intentionality of it, I, I really enjoy with Apple TV that I know, unlike every other service where you go to it, most of the time not knowing what the hell you're going to watch or do there, and then you end up just looking at crap forever, and then you never actually watch anything, which is whatever that's called, there's going to be a word for it, and it's super annoying. Apple TV Plus, it's like, you're there because you already know you want to watch XYZ. Like, oh, I want to watch Ted Lasso. Here I am. Boom. This is where I go to watch that. And it's if also not- If you can not- find it, Jason. If you can find it in their interface. Well, yeah. It's all well and good knowing you want what you want to watch. Then you got to find it. <laughs> that's why you use the Siri button. Yeah, okay. I always forget that. But that's no but, that's- no, but that's a great point about the interface. And this is where I think there's a genuine concern- for what's currently good at the moment two or three years down the track because it's good at the moment when there are fewer shows but if apple doesn't change anything about that interface you know when you look at the apple tv app and you've got that big banner and you swipe left and right through the shows before you burrow down another level if it's still going to be like that in two or three years time with more and more shows and series i'm sorry that's going to be completely untenable uh, unwieldy like i won't be able to cope with that that's just poor design but on the topic of ted lasso if you don't mind me bringing this up just briefly now. I don't think Andrew ever minds if you bring up Ted Lasso. I could just stare into his beautiful eyes all day. <laughs> look at that moustache and think, oh, what a wonderful man he is. I wish he was real. I want him to be real. He's real in my heart. I love Ted Lasso. <laughs> that escalated very quickly. Um, <laughs> but that's beautiful, Andrew. That's beautiful. Well, I'll bring Ted Lasso up then for you. I just want to say because um, I started watching it certainly after you, Andrew, maybe you as well, Jason, when we were chatting about it on Discord. When it started, I thought Ted Lasso is a character. And for anyone who is listening who hasn't seen it, we're talking about the show where uh, an NFL coach is brought over to England, all fictitious, of course, to coach English Premier Team, Premier League soccer team, which he's never coached before. Anyway, with the character... I instantly fell in love with him and thought he was funny. Very endearing, super positive, no arguments from me there. The thing that disappointed me at first was that I didn't think a single English character on the show was funny. It felt like I was expecting an English comedy with an American protagonist, but what I got was an American comedy that happened to be set in Britain where only the American was funny. Anyway, after two or three episodes, I got into the swing of it and super enjoyed it. And what I think is really interesting about this show because lots of other podcasts have spoken about Ted Lasso at length. But what I think is interesting is that it was technically an Apple product, in inverted commas, which I wasn't sold on from the beginning. This whole TV services angle is very different from the instantly sexy, desirable hardware. I saw a show, went, I'm not going to watch this, heard enough people talking about it, 
and now I've been brought into the fold. What do you two think about that? Do you see shows and think, oh, I'm instantly into that? Or how do you feel about it? Two two of the shows, yes. Um, the Ted Lasso one, the, the problem with the Ted Lasso show was the fact that it was always, the way it's described is always immediately something about football. And so I immediately tune out, tuned out every time. It was like, no, no, it's not. It's about football, but it's really good. And I'm like, yeah, I just do not care about football at all. So that that was the biggest hurdle. And I think that's probably the hurdle for most people is you say like, oh, it's about football. And they tune out and you go, no, no, no. But he's going to go do soccer or, you know, actual football. And you're like, yet another thing I don't care about. OK, you've 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 anti sold me twice. Great. The Ted Lasso one was honestly probably the surprise of the year in terms of tv or movies or anything for i think a lot of people that that seemed like the kind of thing where when apple tv started they had a handful of shows that they are like these are gonna be the best shows anyone has ever seen and it's like they were fine and then it was like here's this weird goofy football guy thing and then boom just blew up out of nowhere to be the like the talk of the town. So that's the show that I think no one knew they wanted, but it's the one that Apple TV plus needed to really say, we're here to actually be a thing. That's not just, we're a big tech company playing in media now. Yeah. I think some of those early shows like, um, C and morning, the morning show, morning wars, whatever we want to call it. Um, they felt like they were trying too hard to be, top shelf television you know we're here to win the emmys is it the emmys uh whatever the tv awards are and, and i almost didn't we're i almost didn't know if quality. they thought they were movies or tv shows i felt like they were confused as to what they even were i think they thought that they were making a movie that was in like six parts and it's like pick one you're either a movie or you're a tv show you, you don't get to be both but i felt like they were just confused as to who they were yeah as opposed to like ted lasso i think it knew exactly what it was it knew it had a, a particular story to tell. It had a character to build that story around. It didn't take itself too seriously, but it didn't like. It, but it was serious in a way. Like it touched on some some relevant issues and had character development and that kind of thing. It was heartfelt, but it was it. It felt like it was made for an audience of TV watchers, not an audience of TV critics. Yeah, and if I can if I can add to that, I think the other thing that makes it so different is that ever since you've had shows like The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Lost, that transformation of TV into more of a movie universe, we've gotten really used to anti-heroes, people who we learn to love and hate at the same time. Whereas Ted Lasso as a character, I don't think there's a single thing about him that is unlikable. And then even when he does something which is slightly out of character... He immediately rectifies it or learns from his mistakes and opens up about what he learned. That there's virtually nothing that you can dislike or criticize about him. So it's more of a return of the hero in a show. I immediately found myself like ranking, you know, who's my favorite character in the show? And like after every episode, it would kind of the 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 ranking would shift a little bit until the very end. I finally like came up with my my like top five uh characters, which that's not usually a thing that would happen in a show. I'm not sitting there like actively like ranking people against each other and rooting for certain people to do things. It's much more passive. So it was, it was, it was a weird feeling to kind of feel invested 
in this show, which I'm not obviously, but um, it had that kind of power. So, so Jason, are you? A, I mean, you you strike me as a bit of a, a Jamie Tart sort of character. You know, you, do you do you relate to him strongly? You know, Ow. The, the good Ow. looks. And I, the, am, yeah, the, I feel attacked right no, now. No, 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 no. Like he's a superstar. And he's got the no, pretty girl, he, and he is not anywhere on the list at all. Ooh, right. And I have six people on the list, and he's not on it. <laughs> Uh, no, Watch could, out, Andrew. I think you've hit a nerve here. Couldn't stand him. Now I have to give you the list because if I don't, you know, I want, I want the out. list. I want, okay. I'm curious. Top five characters Ted Lasso, season one. Number one, Roy Kent. Mm-hmm. I found him to be the most relatable personally. The captain for people at home who haven't watched. Yeah, he's the kind of, he's the older guy on the team. He's like, been, he's been the big star already. He's, you know, still good, but he's just he's he's maybe past his prime a little bit. Kind of kind of annoyed at everything. Um, swears a lot, so I, I very much relate to him. Uh, number two, Ted Lasso, obviously. Uh, three, Keely Jones. I thought she was a really good character in in that show. It was the it was at the very beginning. She you were kind of like mm, I don't know, but then it just she grew on you. Uh, four, Rebecca Welton, who was the owner. Five, Nate the Great. Blow. <laughs> Amazing character. Loved him. Uh, and then bonus number six, Coach Beard. You know, Jason, that's a good list, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot of thought in that. There, trust me, that list was flying all over the place throughout the seasons. But, yeah, so there's your there's your Ted Lasso corner. And now we have season two coming, and season three is... I don't understand how TV works because season three is already like, yeah, go make season three, but season two hasn't even started yet. But I don't care. I'm ready to green light season four. Let's make it happen. No, I was going to say, we've got this uh, reverse sponsors situation here. Yeah, yeah. Spending our money differently. Now I yes. really, sh- I probably shouldn't talk to this because this just, this disturbs me to the core being the CFO of our little hemispheric views organization. The idea of, giving money rather than earning money. I'm thinking we've got the business model slightly wrong here. So I'm concerned. I'm going to put that out on the table. Okay. Uh, okay I don't quite good. know what the plan is here. It seems like it might be another one of Jason's wacky ideas. It is. Um, it, ap- it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, so maybe if you could brief, brief us. Sure. A bit sure. Of a, uh, run through of what you're, what you're proposing. Anything um, I could do to make the CFO uncomfortable is kind of where I like to be. That's, that's sweating bullets. Yeah, you should be. So normally the way um, businesses work, which obviously this is a major enterprise, um, you do a thing, people give you money for the thing, kind of how it works, right? I mean, you know, I don't, it's, I'm no spreadsheet guy, but I think that's how it works. Look, everything so, except social media works that way. Right, exactly, which is not real life. So we'll just kind of put that aside for now. Yeah. Um, so what I've decided we should do is instead of having sponsors on the show that give us money to talk about their stuff. What we're going to do is take the money we already have and give it away to like charities instead. So we're going to, we're going to reverse sponsor charities every episode out of our own pocket instead of getting money the other way. So at the end of the day, we start an episode with X dollars and then we end the episode having less than that. Does that sound like a good business model? 
Look, I, I'm all for social enterprise and you know, corporate social responsibility. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Um, Perfect. So but the, it should be exercised through a properly budgeted corporate strategy that's outlined in a lengthy document. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely, yes. And it should be in, in alignment with our values. Um, <laughs> and it better be a Word document that is not docx, but just dot doc. Yes, and it wouldn't. It would be in Arial, preferably. Yes, and it would be sponsorship opportunities slash corporate social responsibility dash proposal version three point two final version two dot doc. So my uh, my reverse sponsor for this week um, is I couldn't decide. It's so hard. There's so many things that you know you can't you can't do everything. So my my approach this week was to do uh, Kiva. Have you guys heard of this? It's like a uh, what is it? It's almost like a, a crowdfunding sort of thing for charities. Maybe I'm not really describing that very well. But the way it works is you basically you go through their site and they have a bunch of different people from different countries that need money for various things to to you know add commerce to their village or we need to, you know, build a well or something. So I went on there and I just kind of went through and picked, uh, let's see, one, four, eight. I couldn't really decide. So I picked 16 different people, just gave them all money for a thing they needed. So (laughs) I think I'm, I think Kiva, I think even my mother has used Kiva um, to donate money. But if I'm not mistaken, it's actually like a, um, equity play isn't it don't they return your investment after they've done whatever they they do do? yeah so you give them yeah that's thank you it's it's more of a loan uh, a micro loan there you go that's what it is uh so i micro loaned 16 people i got a cramp laughing i'm sorry 16 people (laughs) for all the things that they needed is this coming directly out of the hemispheric views budget (laughs) no this is just coming out of my budget this is my this is my budget that the CFO allotted me. Okay. <laughs> I think you've exceeded your your authority to spend. <laughs> I used the corporate card, so I think it's okay. Oh no! no. <laughs> Who gave him a corporate card? Oh, we're ruined. <sighs> this no, it's, this Kiva investment better pay off, Jason. Uh, I I don't know. I it probably. I don't know. Maybe everybody seems to be repaying on time. I mean, I just did this, so that doesn't say a lot, but <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it because, you know, Ruben gets to start his photography business in Kenya. I like that. Uh, what else do we have here? We have uh, Emily who's farming in Kenya as well. Um, I don't want, don't tell me you funded somebody in Nigeria. Uh, just a prince. He said that he needed to have all of his money given to someone and then I would give it back, but I got to keep like half of it for doing him a oh, favor. Okay. okay. Well, that so sounds like a good deal. It seemed like a good idea. You know, I mean, half is, that's a lot. <laughs> anyway, and in all seriousness, uh, yeah, Kiva, I, I, yeah, I gave a bunch of money to people on Kiva, uh, and it seems like a pretty... A pretty cool thing and they have like teams or something so i don't know if it it seems like it always makes sense to do donations when you can do like kind of maybe more 
in one direction than just like a bunch of little bits all over the place. So I don't know, maybe I'll start like a, a team or something and people can can jump on and we can have some kind of goal or something. But anyway, reverse sponsors give other people money that need it more than you do. I, uh, I was really happy that you popped this in our little board there, Jason, because you reminded me of a donation that I meant to make a little while ago and totally forgot to do. Uh, and it was after I watched this, I cannot speak to how fantastic this documentary is. I, I keep littering media corner throughout parts of the episode, so I apologize for that. But uh, it's a documentary called In My Blood It Runs, and it follows the story of this young Aboriginal boy in Australia who, how do I explain? He's caught between the worlds of Aboriginal Australian education and the more Western style English speaking education system flourishing in one struggling in the other. And I I can't recommend this enough. I was motivated to write a review about it on my blog and attached to that, they have this donation page uh, as part of an organization called children's ground uh, organization for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. And they're raising money to build Aboriginal specific schools in Australia that match their culture and preference for education and communication. And it's just the most beautiful film. So I completely forgot to give money to it because I was so like emotionally moved by this piece. Um, so yeah, happy to sling some money that way if it's okay with you, CFO. It's fine. I think that's a wonderful cause. Now I've been caught on the hop because I didn't quite understand what this uh, reverse sponsorship deal was all about. So I haven't done any research into who I can give money to. <laughs> But I'm happy to give some money to somebody or some organization, I should say, that deserves it. So perhaps I can be either, I can either join, I might look at Kiva, I might look at the one you talked about, Martin, or I don't know, what what should I do? I'm open to suggestions. Well, they'll be in the show notes, either way. But I promise I'll do something. Uh, Talking about where we spend our money... Um, we were talking about news a bit before, but I think something a little bit more on brand for us is stuff like RSS. We are doing a podcast after all. What's the service situation for you two? Where do you do you put your money into anything like RSS services or uh, syncing apps or anything like that? I just changed all of that, actually, which is interesting that you brought that up because I used to pay for Feedbit, which is great. I have no, hamb- no issues with the hamburger it. hamburger one, right? Yeah, the hamburger one, which is actually why I picked it to begin with way back when, is because it had hamburger icon. So there you go. Uh, adver- you know, the, the branding worked. Um, but yeah, I just got rid of it because I didn't really need it. Um, Reader 5 came out recently and had iCloud syncing because I was using News Explorer because it had iCloud syncing, but the app needs a little bit of work. Um, so I, I tried Reader Five because it had iCloud syncing, and it's perfect. It does exactly what I need. Like I don't. I used to have like a bunch of fancy rules and stuff that would like block certain articles or like filter that. Who cares? Like I could just go past it if I don't care. But yeah, Reader Five with the iCloud sync works great. Um, they have this thing called uh, Don't Fetch. So like I have my my. My main Mac on my desk is just, it's on 24 seven. It's, you know, it's basically a server. So I have that fetching new articles like constantly and refreshing. And then every other device, 
iPhones, iPads, other computers, whatever, you can turn on don't fetch. So instead of each of those devices going out and checking the whole RSS feed thing every single time, it just looks at your main computer and says, hey, what's the iCloud status of all of our stuff? And just syncs that. So it's super fast. So if you've just finished reading everything on your main Mac and you pick up your phone, the phone says, hey, iCloud, what do you got? Nothing? Great. Done. Instead of going, checking all the feeds, they all show up and then they all disappear because they're all read already. Doesn't do any of that. So that's been really cool, unexpected feature. And then it has um, also uh, a read it later component, which I'm so sick of read it later at this point. I, I just, I'm losing my, uh, I'm losing my mind in regards to read it later because I hate them all. They're all stupid. I never use any of them. I just have buckets of crap everywhere that I never read. And I don't know why I even bother. But what did I do? Moved all my stuff from the other reader later into reader five. And guess what? It's sitting there now, not getting read. So yeah, read it later is great. Such a fantastic service for me personally. I bet it works great for some people, but I absolutely suck at read it later. It's funny you mentioned read it later services. My I've actually just had a re-engagement with that whole process. I went off them years ago, um, but have recently uh, resubscribed to Instapaper and have, re- have developed an entirely new kind of workflow to try and get more value from all the garbage I read on the web all the time that just seems to go in my head. Some of it cogitates around for a while, but most of it just sort of falls out the other side. Um, so I'm trying to integrate my RSS service, which I use iNoReader. Um, not because, I mean, I've used RSS, I'll digress. I've used RSS from the days of blog lines, which predated Google Reader. Um, went through the whole Google Reader thing and then into Feed Wrangler, which is the David Smith service for a year, and then went to iNoReader. And somehow I've ended up with, I think I got some like credits for iNoReader somehow. I had some deal and I got it really cheap. So now I have it for the next three years. So I'm kind of locked in because um, I paid not much money to get it for a long period of time. So I'm using that with Reader. Um, yes, I'm an RSS addict from way back. But what I was finding, I'm reading all this stuff all the time. But now what I'm trying to do is put the stuff I really value, like the high value stuff, I'll send it to Instapaper. And now I'm trying to use their markup service, you know, that you can kind of highlight in Instapaper. And then I'm putting those highlights, get sucked into Readwise, which is that uh, readwise.io to resurface them from time to time. And then also those highlights, I'm sending them into my DevonThink archive as a bunch of notes and that kind of thing to try and... (laughs) maintain Jason doesn't like Devon think trying to maintain a corpus of stuff that I've read and can research and look back on and that kind of thing so I've got a whole new RSS read later thing going on at the moment um early days we'll see if it sticks oh and the one other thing that then happens is then all of that stuff also goes into a notion database and so I've got that in notion as well you've gone like full nerd this is the problem. Whenever I find something new, I go too deep on it and I just I just dive into it and I'm like, and then it'll be six months and I'll have forgotten all that stuff and I'll moved on to something new. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, my RSS story, if I can just get into that for a second, is much simpler. It's Feedbin in NetNewsWire. And the reason that I use NetNewsWire was because I was completely sucked in to the entire, and I don't know if this was intentional. It could have been a master marketing stroke by creator Brent Simmons, but the whole narrative of this return to the Mac and the open source story and the relentlessly obsessive, minimalist, super slick Mac development and the way that it just takes in all those sort of UI conventions and everything. I was like, yeah, I love it. I I just want to have that beautiful, simple experience. And I open it. And even if it's just tapping into that cult area of my Apple brain, don't care. Love it. It's the smooth scrolling. It's the blog pieces about we've been crafting. Almost like I read it in Johnny Ives' voice. We've spent the last 10 years in a white room looking for this one bug that could maybe ruin the resizing of the window. And now we fixed it for you. And I'm like, I feel happy about this. Don't worry, Mark. I'm jealous that you get to use that app. I've been following its development for so long. And they keep saying, oh, and we're adding sync. And then they add Feedly sync. Like, come on. I'm sitting here with my iNoReader account going, when can I use it? So um, I will switch away from Reader 4 as soon as uh, I can. It's lovely. I I think it's great. And look, maybe there are elements of the iPad version that maybe you don't like as much as Reader or, you know, whatever you two want to use. But um, on the Mac, I look at and I go, oh, it feels like home. It feels like what a native Mac app should be. Yeah, it's a great, great app on on the Mac for sure. Um, I used, I, I mean, I have it, but I I used to use it as well when I had Feedbin. I, I agree. The iOS one, I never, I don't know, for some reason I couldn't get into the iOS version, but the Mac one is like absolutely wonderful. It's a glass of ice water in an electron desert. Ugh, absolutely. Gross. Good way to put it. Mm. For Media Corner today, I have to bring up something that I did discuss separately with Andrew online, but I feel that it's too good and too Australian not to include. And it's multi-layered. I do enjoy a multi-layered transmedia experience, as the academics like to put it. Um, We have a TV show that refers to advertising that refers to jingles, right? So in Australia, for the uninitiated, we have a television show called Gruen, formerly known as the Gruen Transfer, which refers to the feeling that you have when you're disorientated inside a shopping center where they've made it deliberately difficult to navigate the layout and it's noisy and you retreat into shops. So this show is all about advertising the effects of marketing and consumerism. Recently on one of their episodes on ABC TV in Australia, they covered Bunnings Warehouse, which in Australia is a total behemoth in hardware and DIY products huge right but somehow they manage to hold on to this really matesy feeling they're doing community barbecues you go there with the kids you just wander around in your paint covered clothes all that stuff they've had the same jingle for years and years and years no one knew who the guy or woman was who composed it finally they tracked him down i think it was 25 years later his name's trevor hilton and they got him to perform the video of this jingle, super funky on a keyboard. And I just want to recommend to people out there, if you can watch Gruen on ABC iView online, give it a go. If you can watch a Bunnings ad just to see what Australians think is decent advertising with a bunch of people in aprons telling you to buy a hammer, you should watch that. And if you like funky jingles by someone who's kind of proud that he's made this massively culturally influential song, but sort of hates it as well, that's great. And I'm going to provide all the links so you can check it out. Multi-layered, as I said, on Media Corner. 
I like nothing more than people in aprons trying to sell me hammers. So I'm already sold. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess I will uh, I will go now. I had a little bit of an issue um, this week with Media Corner because I was listening to Apple Music something or other, and this song came on, and I absolutely, I immediately loved it. I thought it was a great song, really into it, and thought, well, clearly the whole album is going to be great, so I can use this for Media Corner. The rest of the album I did not like at all. So there was one song on this whole thing, and I'm like, I don't, does that really count for Media Corner? So I'm going to say what the song is, just so everyone knows what it is. And then I'm going to cheat and add a second thing, because I feel like one song is just not really good enough. So the song is called On the Ropes by Mint Royale, I guess is how you say that. Uh, it's track two. Uh, oh, sorry. No, the song is called Don't Falter. The album is On the Ropes. So now that you're fully confused, I'll say it again. Uh, the band is Mint Royale, album On the Ropes. Just listen to track two, Don't Falter. Full stop. Um yeah, really weird. Usually there's at least a couple other things on an album, but I just I could not get into anything else. So my cheat pick is going to be a game this time. And we talked about Apple Arcade. This is on Apple Arcade, but it's other places as well. And it's called The Last Campfire. People probably have heard of this. It's not super new. Um, I played through it. It's pretty short. It's like maybe four hours or something like that. But it's just a cool chill like laid back kind of game there's not you know you're not shooting people you're not running around stressed out it's just kind of a it's a story driven little bit of puzzle stuff thrown in for fun um very emotional story so i yeah i would recommend checking it out if you have apple arcade you already have it uh if you don't it's it's not like a you know it's not some 60 dollar triple a title or something like that so yeah i would check it out it's called the last campfire that sounds interesting. I'll check it out in three months' time when I buy Apple Premiere. Um, I have got. I do have a media corner. I'm actually going to promote a competitor of ours. Somebody else in the podcasting. It sounds universe. like something I would do. Somebody that's somebody that's doing it a lot more successfully than us. They're making lots of money out of it, including from me because I pay them a Patreon subscription month, wow. month by month. Um, <laughs> they don't need it because they're super successful, but they deserve it because it's excellent. It is the Unmade podcast, and it features um, Brady Harron, who's famous in probably our sort of circles for working with CGP Grey in the podcast world. Um, number file. With Hello Internet. Yeah, number file, Hello Internet, all that sort of stuff. He's got it. So this Unmade podcast, he does it with a his friend from when he was a kid living in Adelaide, Tim Hine. The, the Reverend Tim Hine, who lives in Adelaide, Australia, they have an excellent podcast. It's so good, um, so good that I pay for it. They have been on a there's a long running bit they do where they talk about a 1980s furniture shop in Adelaide that was called the Sofa Shop, and they have sort of beatified the theme song from the Sofa Shop. That doesn't exist anymore. It's out of business. But they have just they used they talked about it, and the sofa shop has become a big part of their podcast, to the point where they have crowdsourced a whole bunch of really well done alternative remixes of the jingle. People with 
musical talent have remade this pod, this this uh, song. Just recently, though, they actually managed to interview, find and interview the original producers and singer of the jingle, the Sofa Shop jingle from the 80s. It is fantastic. And these guys are really s- suspicious. Like, why would somebody be wanting to talk about a jingle from the 80s? And then they start, they, so they have a sit down, they have a chat to them. And then these guys get played back these really professional covers of their jingle. And it's, you could see, you could hear, you don't see them, but you could hear them just thinking, wow, this is not a joke. This is a real thing in a different universe that I don't know anything about. And I just, everything about it is wonderful. And that, that podcast is wonderful. The, the characters are wonderful. The sofa shop jingle is wonderful. Um, so yeah, that's it. The unmade podcast. Give it a listen. You don't have to subscribe to the Patreon. In fact, don't so give us that. Give us coffee money instead. Yeah, so we can donate it to someone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be clear, that that Patreon does not count as a reverse sponsorship. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Try to weave that in there. <laughs> Stopping now.